Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, Grant from Fellowship Blades. I am Dalen from MachineWise. I'm David from Contraption Collection. And I'm John from Triaxis. Nice. All right, was... somebody who hasn't crashed their machine in the last month, go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I can kick things off. I, was, I, was, I have been wanting to ask you about all of that, John. So I guess you can go after me, I guess. I can I feel like I, that might not have been his goal. I know, probably not. What? Um Dalen, why don't you kick us off, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um well it seems to be an exciting week of getting fun toys for several of us. Yeah. Um I know you got your sile already and I have my brother coming tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. Nice. It is. Yep. yep. So riggers come in between ten o'clock and noon. And then after that, I have to put power to it myself because reasons, I guess. Yeah. Couldn't be too uh, bad. No, it won't be bad at all. I, I don't know. That's a that's a whole story I shouldn't get into. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, from there, install techs come on Monday and Tuesday to do the leveling, the general install, probe install, and then I have the asset huh? for uh the control training. That's pretty good uh, turnaround. It took oh, the yeah. Hostex oh. like a month to get out to mine whenever oh, really? I had to Jeez. get one in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Yamazen is a, it's a huge company. Um, so they seem to be pretty decent overall. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, super excited, super excited for that. I have a lot of fun things happening on the brother. Yeah. I have, I have too many plans for it. That's a good problem and to yet, have. Yeah. Yes. I, it's like too many, but also not enough. Yeah. I get you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. But yeah, other than that, everything's running really well. Nice. Yeah. Production is extremely smooth. Um, Did you do that Slift T this week that has like the different color anodized on the inside? Yes. Yeah, so I've done anodes similar to that in the past. Uh, this time around, people like went mental over it. <laughs> it looked really looked good. Super awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a it was a sunset fade on the like I did like a base sunset fade and then I tumbled it again to get all you know all the outer bits raw and then I did like a low volt blue on it. Yeah. Uh, it came out really nice. Um. And let's let's see. This week's drop it. is how's that? But how did you actually do it? How did you make it different on the inside? Oh, I just oh I thought I just said it. Um. So I did like a base sunset fade. Okay. And then from so higher volt. Whenever you do stuff, um, like if you're gonna do two tone, yeah, you can override it. Go high, yeah, yep. So you start high, work your way lower. So I did a sunset fade first, and then I tumbled it. Oh, okay. Maybe you said it. And I was not paying enough attention. Yeah, no right. So it just doesn't tumble. The you know the media doesn't get inside. Yeah, yeah. Media is too big. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. On that note, I got even larger, more aggressive media. Okay. Nice. I, I saw um, that. Yeah. Yes. So it's the same. I finally figured out where that media comes from, so I don't have to order it from McMaster anymore, which is good. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, the previous media I had was, I think, 5 eighths, like V-cylindrical. This stuff is one inch V-cylindrical, and it is massive. Oh, wow. Um, it's cut our tumble time down by like, it's like, 75% faster. Oh my gosh. That's sweet. Uh, but it's also it it took a couple days for it to kind of break in and and give me that finish that I wanted. Yeah. It was a little bit too aggressive on the first couple days. Is that uh, a vibra finish? Uh I think it is actually. I think yeah, it, it started with a V. So it, it might be vibra finish or something similar. Yeah, I, I say only board box. You can only get the 5 8s from McMaster, right? That's the biggest one they'll ship. Uh, no, they they had one inch in stock, so I bought 150 pounds of it. Oh, I was just talking from McMaster, but maybe that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so the one inch I also bought off McMaster. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I bought last time. I don't I don't remember because I hmm. always thought. Hmm. Yep. Well, that's good. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, yeah, is, it, it is way cheaper. Not on McMaster for sure. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, it's only like 200 like 220 for 50 pounds like it really wasn't that bad yeah i don't know what it costs regularly though so so why do you think the bigger ones uh to burr faster or, or like make a finish faster do you think it's like 
more weight and energy yep. rubs harder. Yep. It's definitely it's the, the kinetic energy. energy. Yeah. Yep. They're just to bigger me, I, media. I'm using pretty big media for blades, and I've thought about. I'm actually using a mix. It's like small media and big media, and I've thought about just doing small media, but I don't know because, like, I wonder, like, if things would move around worse with like all the weight on top of them, or it actually cycles the parts through better. I noticed the water falling effect is better, and the parts actually like do that that circular loop much better. Interesting. Probably because so, there's just less quant, like there's less individual pieces of media. Yeah. So in my general experimenting, if you combine different size medias, it doesn't really work too well unless yep. you have soft parts you're trying to deeper. Because mm-hmm. those small, the small differently shaped media, if it's differently shaped, will kill the kinetic energy of the bigger media. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's like having a ton of small parts in your media, which yeah, there is a part limit for like how big there is, yeah. or how much media you have. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many factors involved. Like, yeah, right. You have an insanely high-powered, you know, high kinetic energy machine, then you probably uh-huh. get could get away with combining everything. Yep. Yeah, I yep. think um, I think I did it mostly because uh, CM top line just has maybe it's better now but they were like constantly out of stock so i just got two of the same grade in different sizes yeah okay the one the one that grant suggested to me and he was using and i bought that like they're one and a half inch long uh they're cylinders but they have like flat edges on them at the ends like they were out of stock too and i really like that media but it's right on the edge of not being it's too big almost for the tumbler Yeah, this stuff did seem kind of comically large compared to yeah. the tumbler at first. I think it looks normal now because it's been running for a few days, but... Yeah. Yep. On the topic of tumbling, I decided to do something good. Um, I printed up a bunch of channel spacers for my handles because I didn't want... We tumble blades and handles together, so blades would sometimes go inside the handles and it would it would nick the inside of the channel. Mm-hmm. It's a minor thing, but it's something I didn't like. Uh, so I printed a bunch of these channel spacers that just sit inside the two halves when it's assembled, and then we tumble it that way. <laughs> well, they actually did more harm than good. Oh no! Um, the the like the grit water from tumble ended up getting in between it, and it started um, abrading away the pattern on the inside of my hand. Wow! It's something I never would have thought would happen. Yeah, so we we now have like 15 sets of blemished handles, which people are going to be really happy about. I'm not so happy about it. Yeah, that's something I've noticed that uh, soft material, like even plastic, mm-hmm. if it rubs, it'll leave a pretty serious mar. Yeah. But yeah. like a like a blade or, or steel usually doesn't. It's like maybe right. a scratch, but it's not like a dig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So before it was just like I had, you know, some some really small like blemish marks on this on the inside of the channel. It wasn't that big of a deal. All of these handles have like a five to ten thou deep groove. Oh my gosh. It, it's insane. Holy yeah, God. I've done that a couple times. Uh-huh. So I I mean I never would have thought it would have happened. I thought I was doing something good with it. Clearly it was not good. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Something like rubbery or something that like really squeezes in and doesn't let anything in. Yeah. It would have uh, to or be or you could just change how you time things to not have to do, you know, yeah, right. blades at the tumble, same time as handles. Now that tumble is so much faster, um, then yeah, we can do them individually. Maybe those, I could end with TPU instead of PLA. Yeah. Did those spacers have any like wiggle to them when they're um, installed? I think I designed in like five thou clearance, which could have realistically been closer to ten. Yeah, I bet it's the plastic that caused that issue, like uh-huh. the plastic actually vibrating in there or actually yep. tumbling against the side. Yeah, yeah that's I've definitely had, what it was. Yeah, because I've had the same thing. It's like if you have a space or something and it's not hard fixed to the thing, and it's able, like it's got a little bit of play or something, and you're mm-hmm. able to get whatever you want to call it, like a little bit of micro balance between the two, the plastic yeah. will destroy whatever it's attached to, which is. Yep. And, and boy crazy. did it. It's, it's right. like a, it's like a 
I don't know, like a vibrating burnish almost. It is, yeah. The just finish is nice, but it's not what material. you want. Yes, yeah. it's a really shiny finish where it was burnishing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, tumble woes of the week. Yeah. Um, not the end of the world. People love it when I chop blemished products because it's cheaper and they still perform well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like, why, like, that's why, like, getting, I feel like getting a high kinetic energy tumbler in plastic media, I feel like that mm-hmm. could do something. Yeah. I mean, I would but love I to know. get, I'd love to get one of those, um, just like, yeah, the, the internal fin spinny style. Yeah. I was watching a video from, yeah, the centrifugal ones. They make larger ones, I found out. I was watching a video from, uh, shoot, I forgot, Oz Machine Company. They make, they make folders. Mm-hmm. He has two brothers, and uh, he did a shop tour a few years back. I watched that video, and he has this really good-sized um, centrifugal tumbler yeah. that I might look into at some point. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I have too much more outside of that. Um, I'm I'm probably going to send my head machinist to Saunders' uh, training class. Oh, oh cool. Interesting. Yeah, I've been I've been telling him like you know I want to train him and and get him up to speed on fusion and programming and all that, and I can't find the time. Yeah. And then I realized Saunders has probably one of the best three day training courses out there. Yeah. And it's not that expensive. How much? It's like nineteen hundred dollars. Oh, that's not as much as I was. It's not much at all. It's I mean yeah, it'd be twice that after lodging and everything and and travel. And, and not having him for three days, but yeah, I think that'll be something really cool and really fun to do. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yep. Because eventually he's going to step up and start handling more of the production side, being able to program some things here and there, and really be in charge of the machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's about all I got. Cool. Uh, Grant, you want to go next? Do you have fun, exciting news? Yeah. Uh, let's I mean, I guess we'll get right into it. So I got a sile. It showed up uh, Monday. Okay. And then uh, we've got it into the building. I got it out of the crate Monday. Tuesday, we put it on the floor, leveled it. Um, yeah. Yesterday, we got electrical all hooked up and uh, started turning it on and doing all the new machine setup, you know, check fluids and yep. put coolant in and whatever. Uh, nice and today is so it's it's more or less it's not identical to Fanuc. it's a syntec controller yep. so it looks kind of like it's Fanuc like but it's also got a couple i'm, I'm calling quirks that are more mm-hmm. akin to like mach 3 mm. um so like it can't use g29 which is a rigid tapping thing okay. um but it can rigid tap it just doesn't accept that code uh, oh, it's, its own its own G code for it. Yeah, there's a couple other oh. things like G20, which is uh, tells tells it it's an inch mode. It uses G70. So interesting. A couple weird things that like you know you load a program and it alarms out and you're like that's a yeah, new one. Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Well, um, so once I figured out the actual post and got all that squared away, everything nice. kind of worked out. Does Fusion um, have a syntax post? Uh, I don't know if it has it natively, but there's a pretty pumping Facebook group that okay. they have a lot of a uh, lot of help and like the engineers and the owner of style are like in the group and they respond oh, to cool. questions and stuff. So very nice. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty huge resource for this kind of machine. Um, so I was able to find one of some, I think it's an admin of the group made a pretty thought out and, and thorough post that they update regularly. So nice. Okay. That's cool. Um, yeah. Got it all going. And today, uh, as of like four o'clock, I started running. I don't have my Hymer in yet. And so I did okay. very, I'm going to call it pretty precise for what I had, but it was an edge finder and then the back of an end mill to, <laughs> to do my height <laughs> offset. So I, yep. I loosely probed in uh, the Pearson palette and got everything set up and yep. ran a couple aluminum chips. Everything went fine. It actually, it taps I'm going to say it taps better than my Haas because oh. it, it just worked. And I think the biggest <laughs> thing is the <laughs> the coolant and the acceleration seem to be a little bit better. Um, okay. The Haas has a little bit of weird lag. Um, I didn't rigid tap this time. I just sent it. 
and I've noticed that the lag in my Haas, whenever I was not rigid tapping, occasionally was enough to like it either mismatch the thread or there's enough backlash or something, but I broke way too many taps going pretty what do you darn mean slow. Not? What do you mean? Oh, that's not interesting. Rigid tap. Uh, well, like it's not a true rigid. Like it's you go down and you come back up, but you're not like. I mean, I guess it is rigid tapping, but there's <laughs> it's not like <laughs> peck tapping. It's not like you're you're tapping halfway through the thread and then coming back up and then chasing that thread. Oh, you're just okay, full you're, sending yeah, it just, and then yeah, reversing yeah, it. Depth. Yep, gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Pause tapping is always at least. On the non-DT machines, I've noticed cause tapping and like spindle control and acceleration is all just a little bit laggy. Yeah, it's it's a bit odd, and it, it's not it's not bad once you get used no. to it. Um, but I just and that's know, are too. I, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Um, At least when I ran, but anyway, it it everything went great. I didn't break any tools. Uh, nice. It, it's getting it's interesting getting used to a footic. Esque controller again because uh-huh. like all the buttons and keys aren't labeled correctly or not <laughs> incorrect not labeled intuitively like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the door interlock switch is F four <laughs> because why would because you why have would, a door interlock right yep <laughs> it took Zeke and I like ten minutes just staring at the <laughs> control like how why the hell do we get the door, door open <laughs> that's hilarious uh, <laughs> yes yeah, so those little little new quirks but. Yep. Otherwise, it's a it's a pretty pumping machine. I I really nice. like it. Um, so, how does it like, feel in the cut with, uh, that, with that casting? It's so the spindle sounds amazing. Um, okay. I I would say it feels good. Like there's no like vibration. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the machine doesn't shake, which yeah. even the Haas tends like the cat. You can feel it in the in the sheet metal. I can't okay. feel it um, shake. However, it does sound louder i think is the best way to put it okay um it, like an, a normal nice sounding cut on the hoss this is a little bit more tinny a little bit more higher pitch yeah okay. um, it's a lighter. the same rpm S- similar rpms like it, just programming it for what i would cut what i have and would have cut on the hoss um it just sounds a little bit louder it doesn't sound bad but it sounds a little bit more aggressive than on the hoss it would just sound like i was cutting butter so yep. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just an interesting change. I think it's probably just the spindle, probably bearing is a little bit uh less enclosed. And this is your other machines are Cat forty, and this is BT thirty. Yes, this is BT thirty, and and the Haas is Cat forty. So obviously, there's a big difference there. Um, but it it feels great. Like I just plowed through the cut. Not really conservative, just moderate uh, feeds and speeds, and everything just went fine. Um, I am a little bit weirded out with the uh, tool offsets from the from the tool setter. I calibrated everything, and then in in code, I was I did most of it just in computer compensation, uh-huh. and then I was like, "Well, I'm going to figure this out." So I did one bore that was in control compensation, and the lead in was totally incorrect. It like gouged the side of the bore. Um, oh. It was entirely a static board. It was just like the corners of my slot uh, yeah. to, to in the clear into the seen? corner. It's. Uh, I think I saw it. Yeah, that it was, is. That yep. was a linking move. That was a lead in and not like a linking move, right? I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's lead in. Um, the linking move goes straight up and over like a normal lead out. Um, gotcha. I was just wondering if it wasn't like a dog leg or something. I don't uh, think yeah. so. It, and. I, I didn't really simulate it because I just did a bore and I was like, oh, it's <laughs> right. It's a very simple thing. Um, so I'm going to, this is right when I was leaving. So I'm going to investigate it. Very simple. <laughs> right. Let me tell you about very simple. <laughs> Wait, not yet. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. So everything seems well and good. I, I have to figure out the cutter comp a little bit more, or at least how it, yeah. how it reads the cutter comp. I don't know. Yep. Um, okay. But yeah, and tomorrow I'm gonna be slitting saw titanium. So nice. That'll be fun. Fun. You yeah. know you're doing it right when you see sparks everywhere. <laughs> Good slitting saw. Yeah. So first off, no judgment here. I know this is the wrong 
thing to do. However, <laughs> it's the quick thing to do. Um, so I we have we get our stock. Uh, it's quote unquote band sock cut. I don't really know how they cut it, but it's band sock cut tolerances. And every once in a while, like it's we usually get six fifty size stock, yep. anywhere between six forty and six seventy, something like that. So that's how the fixtures are made. And every once in a while, we get these six thirty or six twenty five sized pieces that are just enough where the mighty bite doesn't like properly grab. Uh, and so we just don't use them. We just put them off to the side because otherwise we'll throw the stock around. And uh-huh. I was going to remake the fixture eventually, but I haven't gotten to it. Um, so we have a small pile of this stuff over the several titanium orders that we've had. And I want to work on this new titanium sandwich design. And so I was like, hey, I have titanium. Let's see if I can use it. So <laughs> the <laughs> I, I basically am going to put my stock in a fixture like it would on an op one. And then I'm going to slit off, or I'm going to face it, slit off a uh, 170 thou chunk, pull that off like a five axis window cut part, and then face it down to and leave the bottom to 170 thou. So I'm going to get two pieces out of my, uh, you know, 630 or 700 tall piece of titanium. Yep. Uh, I mean, I've done that as well in the past on prototyping. Yeah. I, and I'm so, doing slitting saw stuff too. I just like, and I'm using an even weaker machine. I just, uh, you know, how big the saw is scares me on the the machine. Because if you're using a five inch saw, that's different than using a one and a half inch saw. Oh yeah, it, and I'm it's a two inch. Uh, I think it's twenty thou, it maybe eighteen thou, something like that. Uh, it's thick. thin. Okay, it's thin. Wow. Uh, yeah, that'll help. Yeah, that's that that's means kind of, it'll be more likely to break than anything else. Yeah, I, I figured it'll be better for tool pressure and yeah, as Is long as I'm conservative. Yeah, it's solid carbide. It's from Harvey. Uh, it's actually oh, gorgeous. Uh, I pulled it out okay. of the thing. It's like that's shiny. Nice. I'm curious how that goes for you. Me too, because it's the whole like key set cutter thing that you and Lucas do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I was gonna do, and I probably will do that eventually because I want to do more aluminum and and key set type stuff uh but the availability with these slitting saws and having having a slitting saw arbor with uh-huh. just a replaceable blade it's it's, may, it's nice maybe a nice thing to do for me so i don't know right? it's, i like it i haven't really had problems yeah and nice. the only how problems long i had with slitting saws wasn't because of the slitting saw yeah how long uh, from like the machine being placed down to you getting it running? Did that take like that was pretty easy, right? Uh, it took. I mean, amount of hours. I don't know, yeah. but it took two two full days of it was on the truck, and then two days later, I was running in the park. I guess nice because you you told right. us last time you put it in your truck, didn't you? Or you rented a truck? I can't remember. Uh oh god. Uh it, everything I do is different. Yeah. <laughs> I've rented trucks, I've used a flatbed. The VF1 I I did a hot shot uh one of one of the guys at our shop, uh my the larger shop infrastructure, uh his cousin ran a hot shot uh company or something. So he just took a truck in a in his trailer and went and grabbed it. Yeah. And then all of them I've forklifted myself except the VF2. Uh, that okay. was the only one that I actually got riggers to do, to, okay. to like machine set or yeah. however that is. But the your experience as far as like buying one, setting it up, pretty easy. Yeah, the biggest thing I think would be information just because it's a Syntec controller and not a style controller and or like a standard thing. So there's a lot of things that I was like, do I need to go into a parameter and find how to turn on rigid tapping? I don't know. Yeah. And right. it was like the Haas, you have to do that. Um, and I was like, I just don't know. And the manuals aren't phenomenal. At least maybe I haven't found the right manuals. I'm not, not really sure on that. Um, yeah. But the actual physical experience has been great. Uh, the machine came nice. in giant, basically a giant crate and I just pried it out and, it was very well packaged, very everything is clean and nice and it's frankly the nicest and cleanest electrical panel uh I've seen 
in a long time. Wow. <laughs> so well, you would say it's it's meeting your expectations or exceeding them or or neither of those. I think it's it's definitely meeting. It's it's at least meeting, uh, it, if not exceeding, because my expectations have 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 gotten higher as I got more experience and talked to more people. Yeah. Um, and because like I went and uh, we ran through a demonstration part with a style in Houston, and so I saw I saw it run and I was like, oh great! So my expectations definitely went higher, but it's meeting everything that I thought and it, it's definitely exceeding my original expectations by, by well, that's good. Slide. Um, yeah, it is, yeah. It's not a hobby machine. I would, I would compare it more to a mini mill than anything else. And I think for me, it's better than a mini mill in a lot of ways. Nice. It's faster. It's faster. It's more rigid. Um, it's, it's got a lot of cool things on it. So nice. It's exciting. Yeah, uh, I think that's about it, John. Cool. Well, oh. before we go too far, uh, hey. we were talking about rigid tapping. Yes. Uh, have you guys used the floating tap holders before? Uh, I never successfully have. on a wave. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a, on the Tormach, uh You have to use them if you want to tap because there isn't, or at least my Tormach, because I have the older mm-hmm. one. Uh, I can't rigid tap. So, so I did buy one of the like floating holders and I've used it like a couple times, but then I just pretty much, you know, don't want to worry about it. So I've, I've hand tapped things, mm. uh, but you can get them for like cat 40 and stuff too. And so I, I'm wondering like, are they, are they for, for machines that can rigid tap? Do they make things run smoother or more likely to be successful or are they pointless? Cause I I've rigid tapped on hosses before as well. There's a lot of I factors, think, I think. Yeah, I think they are overall a liability when it on like a real VMC. Oh, I was I was say the opposite. Okay, um, okay. My experience, and granted, I haven't run as many as I've just seen run and and talked to other people that do run them. Mm-hmm. Is it's just enough mechanical pillow that what would have broken a tap doesn't, and it allows the tap to feed itself out. Interesting. Um, like if you if you ever. If you've ever tapped on a drill press um, and you just like let the drill press, whatever the, the spring pressure is that rises the head, you just let that yeah. r- rise the tap out, then you it'll follow the threads as long as there's equivalent pressure or there's no pressure holding it in place. It'll just feed itself out. And so if there's a little pillow, which is what those little uh, tapping collets or whatever they're called uh, do then if there's like a inconsistency or your machine isn't quite rigid tapping perfectly, then that'll soak it up and just allow the threads to, to be fine. I have heard from my experience, like they've not worked and I've only tried them on the lathe, yep. but I have heard that the price you pay for one makes a gigantic difference. And buying a cheap one is a complete waste mm-hmm. of your money. I, I believe that for sure. Yeah. I've only ever seen the cheap ones and you, you watch them turn the spindle on with the, with those cheap ones in the spindle, and it has like twenty to thirty thousand run out. You're just like, oh, that's <laughs> all wobbling. Yeah, in yeah if it's if it's not staying straight up and down, that would be terrible. Just trying mm-hmm. to tap any hole at that point, <laughs> yeah, right? Go find a hole, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, have you used them, Dalen? I have not personally. Um, I don't know. I think overall, at least if you're doing, you know, if you're doing rigid tapping on a on like a on a true VMC. Um, I feel like it's a liability. It's it's just another thing that can go wrong. It'll it'll probably give you less accurate, you know, thread depths if you have thread depth thread depth callouts. It's just something else that can fail. Yeah, I don't How know. I, I I mean, you're right on that. If you're if you're trying to hold a very tight thread depth, then yeah. it will be different. It'll be a you know ten or twenty thousand difference because of that pillow. Yep. Um, and I don't know if you can program them with a standard rigid tapping cycle. I don't see why you couldn't. I think you'd be fine. I'd, I think you'd be, I mean, on a real VMC, you, you, you'd you kind of be just bypassing it all together at that point anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, if, you, if your machine rigid down. taps well, there's there's definitely yeah. no point yeah, to exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I've only ever tapped on machines that, that, that did rigid tap well, so there you maybe go. My, my input might be biased. And, like, if I was worried enough... I would maybe try thread milling instead. 
Yeah, thread milling is always my go-to if I have any concerns about tapping for like any reason. Most stuff I do is like, you know, quarter 20 at the biggest. Yeah. So most of the time I wouldn't want to try thread milling probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you guys think I could tap a uh, thread mill 1032? Oh, easily. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, yeah, thread milling is just better in every way except cycle time. If you want control over your threads or you want better tool life, thread milling is just great. I've so had the... Go oh, for it. sorry, go ahead. Okay. I've had a, a thread mill in the Mighty that's done every single 832 tapped hole on the Opus and Seraph handles and before. Um, so there's what? One, two, three. There's 12 tapped holes per finished knife, and it's done almost 500 knives worth. That's a and lot it's the same thread mill in in titanium. And we haven't even had to comp it out on diameter. In That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So tool life is really good. That's, yeah. What I was what I was going to say was like you know there's pluses and minuses to both of them. The thing I found because I would have basically form tap the handle titanium mm-hmm. with a form tap like whatever. Even small size form taps can be really really reliable. Oh yeah, they you never have to comp them because you should just be changing it. Like they, Mm -hmm. you know, the thread size is going to stay pretty consistent over the range. No, they are once you get them dialed in. But I couldn't. They won't. I couldn't find one that would start in like a shallow hole, shallow enough to get real thread depth. Essentially, yeah. You, yeah, the thread mills you can go really close to the bottom of basically whatever the bore is. Mm -hmm. So I had some some custom form taps made up for the pivots that I have made. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking with the engineer there about it, because it was tapping, you know, it's like 40 Rockwell or 410 stainless, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was asking, like, can we get a bottoming one? He's like, no, you want at least two to three threads of lead in on that. Yeah. And that's like kind of pushing it almost. Yeah. I mean, like, on... You know, on the knives is like the lock bar insert. It's like three threads of engagement. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, you'll. Would you also have like a crazy custom super fine thread? Not on its own. No, no, Dalen. I mean, oh, Oh, I mean, it's not. It's a thread I hadn't heard of before because I always thought six thirty two was the fine pitch six thread, but there is six sixty four. It's sort of off the shelf. You're doing 664. We talked about this and we're looking at McMaster and there was like an even finer thread that does exist. You found like a 684 Uh, or something or yes, something like that. Yeah. uh Um, It's not like custom. Yeah, only having like two or three threads on that fine, it's not really a ton of depth uh, to get those, those, uh, you know, tapered threads, right? Yeah, no, it's it's not bad. And apparently they've been working really well. Um, I think they've gotten their tool life really good on them. Who's making my my uh my pivots okay yep well I'll, i'm done diverting things john <laughs> oh well, you want to tell us your, my story's your gonna take a while. No good week my, my story is going to take a while so david if you have anything like we're we'll be more than happy to listen we don't have much to say i just did video editing pretty much yep. okay, so what about any news on a spindle at all you look at that at all I, I'm still just like figuring stuff out. Like I, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm set on what I want to do, but still, just uh, there's a little more stuff to do with the three phase, which is uh, slower than I thought it'd be. But mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they've finished digging holes and things, and are now actually putting stuff inside the building, which is good. And they put up a nice. big panel on the outside of the building. Awesome. Nice. Um, except I think it's probably empty right now i think they have to feed wire through the underground tubes next week which i thought they would have done that like when they put them in the ground because it'd been easier if something messed up they could you know fix it but it's already buried now so if they push wire through and it something bad happens i guess they're in trouble i don't know there's a there's a ton of ways to run wire through blind conduit so, yeah, sneak it through. Probably a standard standard. standard procedure, I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm sure they're doing it the right way. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I'm uh I, I like put together a video about slitting saws and did my part of editing and voiceover and script and stuff and then put everything together in a rough edit for my editor to try to finish up and hopefully that won't take too long. 
Nice. Yeah. Um, nice. So yeah. I'm looking forward to a to a nice morning with coffee and watching one of your videos again. Yeah. That's that's that was my goal. I just wanted to make like a normalish video where I just try a different machining type of thing. Yep. Cool. Well, that's good. Now you're on the hook, John. What's what's going on? So I got a new piece of equipment coming in on Monday. <laughs> oh, is it a probe? <laughs> it's coming in from Hong Kong, baby. <laughs> it's a laser probe. It's a probe. Okay. Machine you're gonna make into a tumbler. <laughs> so the, uh, the replacement body you got. What's that? Is it? It's the replacement probe body that you got. Yeah. So oh, I guess it's called a transmission. Is what the like? That's the actual. Interesting part. Uh, where do I start? So the last time we were on a on the podcast, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Wasn't I talking about me crashing the mill? Yeah, it was that that you that link crashed. Uh, you tipped your fourth axis to over a little, or not over, but yeah, the grinding wheel, right? Yeah, but I, I'm remembering now that I saw an Instagram post that you crashed a probe. Yeah. So was this like Saturday? So I was like. I got the grinding wheel, like I got a new grinding wheel and like an actual, the proper diameter CBN yep. wheel with an yep. actual real arbor that I had mm-hmm. to like make a different tip for in the lathe. But I was like, okay, this is the last thing I need. Nice. Once this is good, then I can actually finally make, you know, knives kind of thing. Right. I had a process and everything like new, new dresser. And I actually managed to properly dress a radius and I the side that. at the same time. So basically like both the radius and the diameter would match because that was kind Ooh. of an issue before because I was dressing it at one angle and then I would turn the fourth axis to dress it in another, which would cause the diameter like where the radius would end and meet the diameter would be a little bit different. So you'd get mm-hmm. like obviously when Fusion pushes pushes a tool path out, it's thinking that your theoretical tool definition is perfect. Yep. And so if you got a a tiny little lip or a shoulder somewhere, it's just going to machine it like it's theoretically perfect and gouge something or leave a streak or something. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what it was doing. And I got the dressing cycle to work and then it was like repeatable too, where I could like run the dressing cycle. Okay. It needs to be dressed again and then run it and it would do it properly without basically like it was long-term setup to where you could run a bunch of blades and then hit the dressing cycle and it would properly, you know, set a new diameter basically. Nice. So I was really, really excited. I don't remember what time it was like eight. Whenever I posted on stories, it was yep. like eight or whatever. I spent all day getting that working. And I was, <laughs> we went to go run the program to cut the blade, like with this new grinding wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so here's what happened. So like I've been posting out of fusion to the mill over Wi-Fi, and they're actually named files. So on Haas, you can you can run the file as a name. It's still like a like an O001 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But what shows up in the control is actually like the file name. Nice. So you kind of like second line of code below it. Yeah. Um it gets a little weird for running stuff out of memory, I noticed, but okay. it doesn't. So what happened was I don't know, remember what time it was, but I posted um, I posted as like an NC program as just one. Like it was program number one. Yep. But I when I went to the control to run it, I went and selected the name of the program that I thought it was. So this was like uh it says the name of the program was like midnight um side two or whatever, because that's what side it is on the tombstone. And so I went and ran that, and what I had posted was actually program one, and what I ran was the na- that named program. So it was a completely different program. Oh, boy. Okay. So that program I left in the control since November. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So at some point in December, I was like, I was trying to get the, that, the actual fourth axis like simultaneous toolpath to work, and I never wanted to pay Haas for um, tool center point control. Because it's five thousand dollars, and yeah, the way yeah. that works is like it does the math based on like your WCS. Mm-hmm. As you have a simultaneous move, it'll actually do the math and go, okay, the WCS has moved this many degrees, and yep. where is it actually shifted to? Yep, yep. But um, if you're just using like dynamic work offset, which is essentially 
hey, I'm at five degrees, and now this toolpath's going to run at um, six degrees, you don't need center point control because it does the math on a, and then it locks that orientation. There's no like yeah. simultaneous type thing. Yep. But what you can do is if you, if you don't want to buy TCPC for the Haas and you have dynamic work offset, cause you can make a macro that actually is aliased and runs it. You can set the center point of the rotary as the offset and then you can run simultaneous toolpaths. What you can do is you can take your WCS that, um, like let's say it's a probed, it's a bore on the fixture that's not in the rotary center. Mm-hmm. You use the Fusion's update WCS, which will probe that bore and it'll update the center line of the rotary based on where mm-hmm. that bore is, if that makes any sense. Because probe WCS will, it, it's basically going, okay, here's the where the original WCS is. And your probed feature is like two thou away and Y. I'm going to update this WCS to say it's two thou in this direction and Y. So you do like these little soft updates. So if you set the center line to your WCS and you probe a bore that's like three inches above it, it'll update your center line properly. So then your simultaneous stuff runs correctly, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yep. You're kind of hacking in TCPC. Kind of, yeah. Um, so the issue was. In November, the WCS used to be the top of the blade with that bore being the actual like yep. um, XY center. Well, I changed every single WCS to be the center of the rotary in like oh. December or January. And yeah, it that's, was that's inches below. Yeah, it's like three inches below. And I changed it <laughs> so everything would be the same as a safety thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, so I go to run. I'm like standing at the machine. I'm like really excited. I'm like, this is it. I know oh. this is going to work. I'm going to get the finishes I've always <laughs> dreamt of. <laughs> and the probe comes around. And you know that like the the split second feeling of like, I don't think it's supposed to do that. Yo. So that like that happened, you know, that it just moved X, Y before it went down and Z. And I was like, I thought it was supposed to probe the middle of the blade first. <laughs> no, so oh, I'm no. thinking that. Just slams the probe right into the <laughs> the tombstone, oh. and I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> I can't oh, believe you've done this." Yo. So, so you yeah. probably hadn't even gotten to its clearance plane yet to turn on the project the protected position move, did it? Oh no, it was uh-huh. it yep. was going. And you know what's amazing about it is what? it. I watched the fourth axis move down. Oh, like holy crap! It was pushed down. I hope. I hope Dude. if I sell the machine, the the buyer doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm like, oh man, that was a hard hit because the machine stopped itself. It just another uh-huh. like, you yep. know, servo alarm, servo over alarm or overpower. I was alarm. like, I was like, wow, that was impressive. Like I'm sitting there. There's like you know the glass everywhere from the probe. Yeah. And uh, so I like reset the machine, and I like back it up and see, and it like. The probe is stuck in the fourth axis. It actually <laughs> pulled up the fourth axis a little bit and eventually oh separated God. and like banged out of it essentially. Oh. And it moved and I was like, wow, that was a hard hit. <laughs> oh. And so, yeah, so I looked at it and I was like, that is that is completely effed. Oh, completely. oh no. Yeah, there's a piece of the carbide shank in the tombstone. <laughs> like a, That's like a never going to come middle. out. What's that? It's just never going to come out. No, uh, it was yeah. like, yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So uh, I was like, wow, I was almost there, and then I and then I didn't make it there. Oh so. man! So yep. you bought a different pro body that isn't that isn't Renishaw. So yeah, um, there's the refurb thing yep. that you can like a thousand bucks or something. It's it's now like sixteen hundred dollars, basically, which oh, it increased very very reasonable compared to the cost of a new one. Well, yeah, um, very. There's not a lot of info on that on how the actual process, like what Renishaw is doing with the refurbed body itself, but essentially okay. they're just going to send you another one. You have to mm-hmm. have like a serial number from yours, so they know they're yeah. not just like giving right. away essentially. Yeah. 
What I think they do from my very little research is they get sent to China and they get refurbed and then sold either new or somewhere else. Because if you go on eBay and type up like OMP40 dash OMP42 or whatever, yep. there's a lot of them on China. So I was in, you know, from China. So then I was like, okay, well, these are $600 and they look the same. So oh, it wow, okay. yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what Rhino Shot is doing. Right. Yeah, so it's probably I, just a, yeah, okay. Yeah. So um maybe test it with one percent feed <laughs> or something. Yeah. So yesterday, two days ago, I cut open my old probe because I was curious <laughs> about right. how they work. Um not because I was trying to get it to work again or anything. Like no, there was it's, any it's chance gone. in hell that was gonna <laughs> that was gonna happen. It's a pancake probe now. Yeah, it was not what I expected internally. It's kind of hard to describe, but it was like three ball bearings, this weird cross looking rod at the end of the uh-huh. shank, essentially, and like three contact strips. Yep. And yeah, I, I watched like, a video on that recently ish. Yeah. Um, it was very sideways inside of it. Like, <laughs> I had to uh, angle grind it open because the oh, battery man. door was like stuck closed. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I saw your story post and my heart just sank. Yeah, there's another problem I'm having and it's very like, I think it's just a this moment in time type problem, but I have like uh-huh. literally anxiety from opening Instagram and answering messages and I have no idea what it comes from, where it's coming from. But Do you have like a really big backlog of DMs or something? It's like 60 messages. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yep. I don't know what it is. It's, I'm in like a weird mood about business yep. and stuff and i'm just like yeah the probe thing made me go like i am not doing what i'm supposed to be doing like i should not this should not have happened essentially the last crash shouldn't have happened either because i should have just been making parts and not messing with parts but mm-hmm. like yeah it was just like a a path realigner i guess mm-hmm. yeah and like sometimes yeah yeah the, like crashes happen, but my issue is it was such a stupid. It, they're always kind of stupid, but I mean, I sat there and I was like, "Why did it crash?" The WCS is exactly the same as the one I I posted. Like it doesn't make any sense. And then yep. you know, I finally. Oh, another aspect no of it was the time. I always look at the time when it was posted. Okay, the time difference was only like two minutes. <laughs> but so but that was oh. other, it was just like a little bit the stacks of things that cause like huge uh-huh. mechanical failures. Yeah. I was like, this is how 747s fall out of the sky, but you know, <laughs> a little less serious. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm sure it's different for you guys because you actually sell things in a production way, but I delete all of my programs every day. I always like repost them, uh, from fusion because like, I don't want to question it. Like every time I post it, I like, posted with a name and like the time i posted it well, uh, th- yeah that was the thing though i looked at the time and i was like this is the one i want to run <laughs> and yeah, so did you look like, at the date too or was it just the time it was just the time because yeah. honestly like because if you asked me what day it was i wouldn't be able to tell you R- right you did run a program from november or is did i misunderstand yeah i don't i don't look at the date because like yep. yeah 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 just because it just happened to line. The time is like a far away from the actual date, I think. From interesting, yeah, programs for production, like you know, work. Like, I understand that, but like, if you're doing like messing around trying tool paths, uh, you know, prototyping, I feel like you really got to try to delete programs. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I don't have any defense for what happened, but in my, no, yeah, in, in my defense. Like it was the only side of the blade tombstone that hadn't been updated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just this series of events that just were fortuitous and in, in, in the probes demise. Yeah. And like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, right. Yeah. You can only you double can, check so many things. Yeah. And then when it does happen, you can cry about it. And then mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to fix it again. My biggest yep. thing is like ignorance is bliss as far as like how knocked out of mich- how, you know how knocked out essentially the mechanical parts of the machine are, but do things come down the line where I'm like, why can I not get this part to work when it worked before? And it ends up because, you know, 
I put a nice gouge or something in right. some component I mean, somewhere. But I would just, you know, check the check the fourth run out. And I mean, I, I highly doubt your spindle bearings took any real damage from that. The probes are probably soft enough to absorb a lot of that impact. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, because I was able to chisel the side of the probe and hammer it back out. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, honestly, like I would rather crash the spindle spinning because that's it, fair. You you put like a high load in one area of both the taper mm-hmm. or the bearings themselves. Yep. But, you can dent the ball into the race. Yeah. But then again, I don't know what the actual spindle looks like, the bearings right. themselves. So it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. To me, like if it runs parts fine and everything, it's okay. Like I checked the backlash on the fourth and it's still okay. And I had to realign everything again and that stuff's still okay. So I'm like, well, until it shows a problem up, I'm not yeah. going to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. okay. No, and, and I, I hope I didn't sound like I was uh, trying to say, oh, you should have done this and never would have happened. Because, like, really, every mistake you make is always like a new mistake. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it it's never like a thing you're expecting, and and you constantly, you know, will will have these things happen. And, yeah. You know. yeah. No. No. And I like I don't take it that way and even if you said it that way i totally understand your point of view but it's like i did delete every single program out of the control (laughs) after i was like oh this makes me feel better but what do you like what do you do in the future i guess if you know if you've run the part multiple times the same time then you can leave it in the control otherwise just post everything as program one and then yeah go from there i mean Mm -hmm. you can make file or folders inside of your control right oh i yeah, yeah, you can. You can. Maybe you can you make can, um, like a, a production folder and a play folder. That's true. Yeah, you can do that. It could still. I mean, you could. It's still easy enough to go into the wrong folder. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's, not, it's <laughs> one of those things that just happens. What I am gonna do is like John Saunders does have a post mod. He's done a video on for Haas uh-huh. stuff, and it's like add the time and date to the top line of the program. Okay. And because I always like what I do is I look at the tool list because it gives you like the tool list and I make sure that's actually what's loaded in the machine. Yep. That would have probably saved me because it you can edit it and have it right out like it is November 12th or whatever. Like I'd be like, hmm, it's not November 12th. <laughs> right. <is> wrong. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that would be that might be that just that little bit that saves you because it if I had just looked and gone, oh, you know, 11, that doesn't seem right. That right. would have been it, but I never glanced over there. And then mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh, Saunders just made a video, or maybe I just saw it on accident and it's old, but it was like about uh, making a macro or something where uh, if your tool height is set to zero, the machine gives you an alarm instead of running it or mm-hmm. something like that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, do you think you can make a macro where like, the machine won't be able to run the program if it's telling the probe or whatever tool to go like two inches below the top of a uh, the fourth axis or, or however low it like you think you would need to go on the fourth axis like in the most crazy situation. You you could set a you software could. limit um, yep. artificially. Yeah, I mean you could also make like a macro with a stored Z height. And if it goes below, stop. But yeah. it would mess with production, especially because his fourth is higher than his pallets on the left side. Yeah. And if if you actually did want to probe something in an odd spot and you forget that you have a macro that what let you do it, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. What I actually did want to ask about that, because on my lathe, there is a way to do that where it says like, hey, if oh, you're yeah. telling me to go here, I can't because the yep. turret's gonna hit the subspindle kind of thing. Yep. So there is there a way to actually go like, hey, when you're in when you're in X and Y in this certain zone, you're not allowed to go below Z in this site because there will be a block there, kind of thing. Yep, I think you. I could. don't know. If, I don't know. If, oh, I feel like Haas has something like that. They might have something built in, like a really crude way. I just thought of would like you'd have to make the whole program as a sub and then run like a while loop checking your Z position. Well, yeah. So if you're running fourth axis stuff, it's it's a different coordinate system than your pallet stuff right uh yeah yep like g54 versus 56 or something yep 
It's uh, actually like um, 30 different offsets because deal. because they're all set to the center line now, but it updates the that theoretical center line to... Yeah, I've uh, had to do stuff like that a long time ago with 4th Axis. Uh, but my point was, I think you could probably make some kind of conditional macro. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, but but maybe you can make some kind of conditional macro so that the the probe would work if you're just pallet, you know, doing stuff in uh, G54 yeah. on the pallet, but it the probe would be more restricted if you're uh, doing fourth axis stuff. So as far as GCO goes, it's kind of weird. Like logically, you could do something where. See, because you can't like when you post G code, you're not you're not compiling it. Like when you hit the run button, it's not looking through the whole program. It's just running line by line. Mm -hmm. So like you could do something where it was like, Hey, if you see a Z height, that's below this number, like go to alarm or whatever, but you can't really do that because it doesn't know how to like check against something um, from the past. So like if you had a Z line, I don't think you'd be able to do that, but I'm sure there is a way. Yeah. I saw a Haas tip of the day thing about this too, where macros and G code are weird because of the block look ahead. And yeah. so like in the example, uh, Mark Terryberry's like made a code that turns his uh, machines like light on and off or something like that. Uh, but because of the look ahead, it doesn't turn the, the light on and off. It just, you know, knows that the last line is on. And so, you know, that's it. But there's like special codes you use so that it it waits to to go to the next line and doesn't just go through everything. And so I don't know. I I I know like there isn't just a like if this or while this stuff with G code, but I, I thought with with uh, macros you can do more sophisticated logic. There is um, um there is conditional statements, but it's yep. the way that you can't scan the program. It's like when you run a like a Python program mm-hmm. that you coded it compiles the entire thing first and then it runs. But G code doesn't do that. It's just running as it goes. And so it doesn't know there's an error until it gets there kind of thing. Um, and so that's why, that's why conditional stuff in G code ends up being like, okay, if this, if this variable is equal to this, I need you to go to a sub program and then run this. Like there's not really like a good way from what I can tell from my very limited knowledge is like, able to scan things like I think, I understand you more. I, I think you're right. It might not but be exactly possible. The, uh, the thing Saunders did post was pretty recent, but I do have like, he does have an edit that basically loads the tool list against fusions, like length below tool, uh, tool mm-hmm. holder. And it goes, if it's over like say 50 thou versus the fusion, um, amount alarm out. And yeah, that, that works because it's at the beginning and it's just checking. It's like it loads the entire tool list and then it checks it against the variables for the tool heights. And it, that works really good. And that has saved me a couple times and that's worth doing. But um, yeah, I I, um, I also saw a different macro Haas tip thing that was about uh, where instead of just like uh, trusting that it it calls like uh the tool height it's like oh you know t t53 h53 like you you put in some kind of variable and it like actually goes to the tool list to check it no matter what tool you're using um and and the point of it i don't really understand how it works or why it would need to be this way but it was the point of the tutorial example of this macro was so that uh you never accidentally had the wrong tool length for using the height setter of a tool. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, it still might not be helpful to what we're talking about. Yeah, there's so, a couple like things that can get you in trouble for sure. With and, and it might only be on newer machines, but Haas has some kind of like crash detection stuff too on its own, I guess. Uh, so I, like, more than it, the thing with the server uh, servo overload. So so somebody did message me about that and I have tried running it. There's a reason that I don't use it. It's like safe mode. It'll actually detect like any sort of, I don't know how it does it, but um, that would have actually saved the probe. Honestly, it probably would have just broken the probe tip 
Yeah. There's something to do with I don't it's like either dynamic work offset or like a rotary call. It won't work mm. with it for some reason. And it was like enough to where it would oh. it kind of scared me to use it because it was not going to activate some sort of code that I feel like was gonna cause me to crash anyways. Yep, yep. But I don't know. Might require so, more looking into. To to take this back a little bit, because we all went so hard on tangents. Um <laughs> What we do, because I, I realized this was a similar problem, although very much less catastrophic, is the translation between programmer and machinist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because, you know, we update our programs basically every day, little tweaks or, hey, I want to run a very specific part of this. And instead of making Zeke run through the million lines of code, I'm just going to post just that code, whatever. Yeah. Yep. And so the way we do it is uh, I still write 1,000, you know, 1,001, 1,002 programs. Uh, the first digit is kind of a categorization. And so, like, our Medusa handles are the 4,000 series. So 4,001 is the production. 4,002 is, like, op 2 specifically or whatever I need it to be at the time. Um, yeah. The only ones that are consistent are the first ones or unless there's multiple parts of a program, whatever. But what we do is in the comment section of when you post your code, I always write the date. And if, if I've posted more than one code that date, I type V1, V2, V3, or like the time that I posted or something like that, just so you, there's a very simple visual check. And like, this is the one that I wanted to make sure I grab. Um, and we put everything in the control because my Wi-Fi is super spotty and it drops out. And if it drops out while you're in a program, it'll, it'll alarm out. Gotcha. I've had it like if the Wi-Fi is spotty and you load a big program, I'll come back and the machine's just sitting there with the spindle on and the coolant on and not doing anything. <laughs> frozen. Because oh. <laughs> it never breaks the end of a program. So it just sits there and I was like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. I guess I, I thought my alarms, but maybe, maybe it does just stop. I, I don't remember. It hasn't happened in a long time because... I just put everything in the control. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, of course, like you can always, if you're running new stuff, I'm, I don't think any of us does this on every program, but like every tool, you stop like an inch above the part, check distance (laughs) to go, say, okay, that looks like an inch. And the distance to go to the Z height, add up to the right numbers. All right. I think I haven't done that in two years. I, I actually do that for every unrun thing. And so do I. That's what made this crash like kind of funny if there was a camera in the room. Because I'm like standing there very excited to run this thing. And I'm sitting there with my finger over the feed old button. And the pro, <laughs> you know, the pro's just like, we smash. And I was like, Aww. what? <laughs> oh man. It's just like it was like you're so excited about something, and then you get like literally T-boned at an intersection. Awful. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, like there. I said, it's it's never the the mistakes you make. It's always a new mistake, which is what makes it so yeah. sad and frustrating. Mm-hmm. What matters is how you come out from it. And yep. I'm and just as broken as I was before it. So nothing's changed. That's that was like what's so frustrating when I like just started working at a real machine shop job and I was new. It's like I crash something and then a while later crash and it's like it clearly looks like I haven't learned anything, but it's like, no, I swear I learned something. <laughs> I changed my behavior, but this crazy other thing happened. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, somebody's like listening to this podcast and listened to the last episode and was like, Oh man. And then listened to this one. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It happens. Wait a minute. It, it's, you know, we can talk about what we could do to fix it all day long, but at the end of the day, you won't make the same mistake twice. So, Sure, At you very won't. least not three times. It, well, three yeah, times yeah. is my limit. Third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what? That that, that pro body comes in soon. It comes on in on Monday actually, and nice, uh, okay. I paid the extra thirty dollars. I didn't go for the cheapest eBay listing because the guy yep. said DHL shipping in the title with no nice. other. Like the shipping box doesn't say anything about DHL. It just says oh. thirty more dollars than the other guy, and I was like. Cross my fingers, but they were super nice. At least the seller was because okay. I okay. like I bought it on like Saturday or Sunday, Sunday morning. And they he messaged me and was like, hey, what receiver are you using? Because I'm going to set like we're basically going to set the 
the probe body, the transmission actually look for that receiver. Oh, nice. And I have heard that pairing the receiver and the transmission is actually a really big pain. And it's not okay. just like easy, apparently, yeah. but yeah, never maybe, that, so. yeah, maybe this makes it easier. Oh, hopefully um, you just turn it on and off it goes. Hopefully. And then okay. like the my probe has like they're the probe body number and the receiver number is like dash whatever it is, dash H. Yeah. And I think all that means is like it's just the Haas branded one. And yeah. what I'm getting is just an OMP forty dash two with no H on it. Like it's just a generic you can throw it at anything. Uh huh. And I can't imagine that's gonna be much of a problem. It like shouldn't I, be. Yeah, because even the manual lists out like four different transmissions that are like dash T or dash H. Right. And then that'll work with the receiver. So I'm I'm, fingers crossed. I don't have too much of a problem actually getting it back together. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm scared about with the brother is it has all bloom probings on it. Yeah. Bloom isn't as good with their replacement programs from what I've heard. Again, I need Mm -hmm. to talk to Bloom myself to validate that. Um, Yeah. But they don't. I think they're a little more expensive. Like, if you call them, I know Grimsmoke crunched a probe on his brother when he first got it. Yeah. And he was kind of going through his process, and it was basically, call Bloom, you buy a whole new one, and you send them yours. That's what yeah. happens after that. <laughs> yeah. I heard yeah. I heard Renishaw's program is quite good. I didn't it's use really it time, but yep. I, didn't I know like to overnight you one. Now. Yeah, yeah, you overnight it to them, and they overnight you a new one. Yeah. You have for way less probes, they should have a camera inside that's just, like, watching... And like, it's like, I don't know about this. You know, there's just <laughs> some AI being like, this seems a little close. I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. I have chat GPT run okay. my probe for me. A physically coy <laughs> AI hiding inside your probe. I'll tell you Should what, wrap up? Thing works for class, though. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good place to stop. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, things will, things will be good again on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything right. will have been worth it. Right, John? Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm sure, yes. sure everything will be great. Everything is fine. I'm refocused. I will not crash at least till Wednesday. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Carbide Content, everybody. Yep. Goodbye now. Yep. Bye. Bye.